0: Hey there, Hit Parade listeners. As we announced in August, we are thrilled to be bringing our full-length episodes back to non-Slate Plus listeners. Starting in September, non-Plus listeners will hear our episodes in two parts. What you're about to hear is part one of this episode. Part two will arrive in your podcast feed at the end of the month. Would you like to hear this episode all at once, the day it drops? Sign up for Slate Plus. It's just $35 for the first year, and it supports not only this show, but all of Slate's acclaimed journalism and podcasts. Just go to slate.com slash hitparadeplus. You'll get to hear every Hit Parade episode in full, the day it arrives— Plus, Hit Parade, The Bridge, our bonus episodes with guest interviews, deeper dives on our episode topics, and pop chart trivia. Once again, to join, that's slate.com slash hitparadeplus. Thanks, and now please enjoy part one of this Hit Parade episode. Welcome to Hit Parade, a podcast of pop chart history from Slate Magazine, about the hits from coast to coast. I'm Chris Malanfi, chart analyst, pop critic, and writer of Slate's Why Is This Song Number 1 series. On today's show, some of the biggest hits in Billboard Hot 100 history were tough acts to follow, such as the 80s new wave classic you're listening to right now. British technopop duo Soft Cell, with their cover of the Gloria Jones single Tainted Love.
1: Could give you. Really all. Tainted love.
0: Soft Cell's Tainted Love peaked at number eight in the summer of 1982. And it was a huge sleeper hit, spending 43 weeks on the Hot 100. To that date, an all-time longevity record. But unless you're a diehard Soft Cell fan, you probably don't recall their next U.S. single, a song called What. What bubbled under the Hot 100, peaking at number 101 in the fall of 82. It was off of Billboard's bubbling under chart even before Tainted Love fell off the Hot 100. After What flopped, Soft Cell never returned to the U.S. singles charts again. There's a name for this chart phenomenon, a label we give to acts like soft Cell. You're probably thinking it right now, even before I say the words. One hit wonder. And there have been one hit wonders just as long as there's been a hot 100. Acts like Domenico Modugno, whose Italian pop hit Volare topped the Hot 100 one week after the chart launched in August 1958, spent five weeks on top, even won Grammys for Record and Song of the Year, and then Domenico Modugno never came near the top of the Hot 100 again. When you hear the term one-hit wonder, your head probably fills with all sorts of flashes in the pan. Acts that were huge for a hot second, with a smash hit they couldn't follow up
1: and you wishing someone could cure your lonely condition looking for love in all the wrong places no fine girls just ugly faces from frustration first inclination is to become be a monkey but
0: how tough should we be on these acts what it's if these short-lived down. hitmakers so did come back to the hot 100 maybe even the top 40 but their follow up just isn't remembered all that way well.
1: I know it's all to the principal's office I go
0: few artists want to go down in history as a one-hit wonder and some of the acts you might guess are one-hit wonders really
1: aren't if there was a problem yo I'll solve it check out the hook why my DJ revolv in.
0: Conversely, a few music legends, including some acts in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, may not leap to mind as one-hitters, but they actually are.
1: Then I guess she had to crash, and would have helped that best said, hey, babe, take, a said hey, honey, take a walk on the wild side.
0: And then there are some acts that chart followers will debate, debunk, and defend endlessly. Are they one hit wonders? Or is that moniker just totally unfair? Me. Me. Oh, oh. We will get to all of these marginal cases because one hit wonder status really is a point of contention for us chart geeks. The general public tends to think a one hit wonder is kind of like what the Supreme Court said about pornography. You know it when you see it or hear it. Come on Barbie, let's go party. But for billboard nerds like me, we want guidelines, terms, rules for one hit wonderdom. And I'm just the man to provide those rules. Today on Hit Parade, I will not only teach the controversy over what it means to be a one-hit wonder, I will offer the parameters that I use as a chart analyst to determine when an artist qualifies for and escapes that renowned but ignominious term. It's not an exact science... But we can come pretty close. And of course, there are some one-hit wonders that really do fit the term. Like this hit, which at least one list-loving TV channel ranked as the biggest one-hit wonder of all time. And that's where your hit parade marches today, the week ending September 21st, 1996, 24 years ago this week when Macarena by Los Del Rio was halfway through its gobsmacking three-month run at number one on Billboard's Hot 100. It was the only song this Spanish duo would ever take into our top 40, making them a pretty clear one-hit wonder. But there's even a footnote on that chart factoid. Join me as we take a nerdy tour through the erve of some fleeting hitmakers and try to suss out just who deserves to be called a one-hit wonder. Billboard magazine published a short interview with Scottish singer songwriter Lewis Capaldi right after this 2020 hit reached the top 10 on the Hot
1: 100.
0: Before you go. Is Capaldi's latest hit. The week that Billboard published their article, the song had edged up one spot from number eleven to number ten, barely making America's top ten. The headline on the Billboard article read, quote, Here's how Lewis Capaldi feels about no longer being a one-hit wonder. To be fair, Billboard was taking its cues from Capaldi himself. The year before, he called himself, jokingly, a one-hit wonder when he topped the Hot 100 with this
1: song.
0: That's Someone You Loved, a number one hit from the fall of 2019. Even as the song rode the top ten for about six months, it wasn't a stretch to assume Louis Capaldi could be a one-hit wonder. But hang on a minute. In February of 2020, while Someone You Loved was still sitting in Billboard's Top 5, Capaldi's second U.S. hit, Before You Go, debuted on the Hot 100. Didn't that mean he was no longer a one-hit wonder? Well, maybe it didn't count, because Before You Go debuted at a lowly number 85. That second hit wasn't much of a hit. Okay, so what about in May of this year, when Before You Go rose to number 37? Capaldi's second hit had now cracked the top 40. If Casey Kasem were still alive, he could have counted down before he go. 40. Now, let's start our countdown of the 40 most popular hits in America. Number 40! Leading off as the latest hit So, by now had Capaldi escaped the curse? Hmm. At that point, Someone You Loved was still higher on the chart. Most Americans, if they knew Capaldi, probably still only knew him for that first hit. It wasn't until August, months after Before You Go first debuted on the Hot 100, that Billboard was trumpeting the fact that Capaldi was no longer a one-hit wonder. But what if Before You Go had stopped at number 37, or number 11? Wouldn't that have been enough to remove Capaldi from one-hit wonder status permanently?
1: was never the right time, whenever you Went little by little by little until there was nothing at all
0: If you're a chart follower like me, these are not academic questions. If you're a recording artist, they're even more critical. Artists bristle when they are called one-hit wonders. Even when they make peace with the term, they know it's meant to be an insult. Well, I can totally understand the term one-hit wonder being uh, derogatory. But on the other hand, it's kind of an honor.
1: The label One-Hit Wonder, maybe one's
0: better than none. Those clips are from a VH1 One-Hit Wonders special. We'll come back in a few minutes to VH1, the music-related TV channel that really loves that term. In fact, a lot of people love the term One-Hit Wonder. It's been used in sports. Perhaps the most amazing thing about Rick Wilkins' One-Hit Wonder of a season Is the fact that he got to thirty home runs in the first place? He never got on Wall Street. It's still above its IPO price. But the jury is still out here. Does it become one of those one hit wonder type stocks for right now? And even in politics. But when in crisis, the war on women is Hillary's one hit wonder. It's Ice Ice Baby, what this vanilla ice of candidates must play at fairgrounds so they'll remember her. By the way, among the things that that 2015 Fox News commentator is wrong about is vanilla ice's one hit wonder status. We'll get to that anyway. The phrase one-hit wonder, according to language website The Phrase Finder, was not even coined to describe musical artists, and it once connoted success. It dates to the early 20th century. In baseball, a one-hit wonder was a pitcher who held the opposing team to a single base hit by the 1970s, a Winnipeg newspaper reporter used it in a story about the Swedish band ABBA, who, of course, were not one-hit wonders. The reporter noted that, after winning the 1974 Eurovision Song Contest with Waterloo, ABBA escaped the curse of being a one-hit wonder. By the 80s, Billboard magazine was using the term. In a 1981 edition of the magazine, a radio researcher used the term one-hit wonder to refer to an artist whose breakthrough single was, at the time, only a little over a year old, synth-pop founding father Gary Newman, with Cars. To be fair, that cynical researcher turned out to be right. Cars was Gary Newman's only American hit. His U.S. follow-up single, the two-way army collaboration "Our Friends Electric," which had gone to number one in the U.K., bubbled under the Hot 100 at number 105. Gary Newman would never return to America's big chart. Gary Newman and his fellow British synth-pop act, Soft Cell, are what I like to call pure one-hit wonders. Each of them hit the Hot 100 just one time, then never again. But that's actually fairly rare. Usually, if you can hit the upper reaches of the Hot 100 once, you can crack the lower rungs at least one more time. For example, let's stay in the early 80s, consider Dexie's Midnight Runners. Not the Dexie song you were expecting me to play, right? This one is called the Celtic Soul Brothers, and as its name indicates, it comes from the phase of the Kevin Rowland-led British band where they blended their blue-eyed soul with Irish folk. In their homeland, Dexie scored two UK number ones and a half dozen other top 20 hits. The Celtic Soul Brothers was not one of their bigger hits, but over here, it did reach number 86 on the Hot 100 in the early summer of 1983. Some chart purists might argue that that lowly chart peak prevents us from calling Dexys Midnight Runners a one-hit wonder in America. But, of course, Celtic Soul Brothers is not remotely as famous as its chart topping predecessor. You probably know that
1: one.
0: Come On Eileen, which was so huge it kept Michael Jackson out of the number one spot for one week in April 1983 is overwhelmingly the song for which Dexys is known around the world. Although, props to all you Gino fans out there. It would be, well, culturally obtuse to claim that, in America, Dexys' Midnight Runners are anything but a one-hit wonder. After all, Celtic Soul Brothers didn't come close to our top 40. All right. So, let's up the ante. Staying in 1983, what about this guy? Not familiar with that one? This song is called Automatic Man, and it peaked at number 34 in November, 1983. So, an actual top 40 hit. And it was by Michael Zembello, a singer-songwriter and keyboardist who previously played guitar behind Stevie Wonder. And the reason Automatic Man hit the top 40 was that Zembello was coming off a number one hit from two months earlier. That, of course, is Maniac, from the Smash soundtrack to the movie Flashdance. Maniac not only spent a fortnight on top of the Hot 100, Billboard ranked it as the ninth biggest hit of 1983. And by the way, after 1983, Zambello never touched the Hot 100 again. So, I'll ask the question, is Michael Zambello a one-hit wonder? His immediate follow-up single did crack the top 40, but no offense, Mr. Zambello, Automatic Man is a footnote in pop history compared with mania. Automatic Man was what I call a coattails hit, riding the chart on the afterburn of its much bigger predecessor, Maniac. Culturally, Michael Zambello reads as a one-hit wonder. But my fellow chart nerds, and maybe even Michael Zambello himself, might well object to this ignominious term. This nomenclature problem isn't going away. Can we come up with a workable definition of one-hit wonder that is fair to the artists in question, adheres to cultural perceptions, and doesn't set Billboard followers' teeth on edge? I speak from personal experience. My molars would be perpetually grinding back in the 2000s whenever I flipped on VH1, the music and pop culture TV channel. VH1 compiled several countdowns of greatest one-hit wonders. As recently as a decade ago, they did countdowns of one-hit wonders from the 80s and the 90s. But VH1's first one-hit wonder countdown covered multiple decades, and it dates all the way back to 2002. It was hosted by none other than William Shatner. This is VH1's 100 Greatest One-Hit Wonders. I'm William Shatner at Rhino Records in Los Angeles. Hey, not to... You would think that lists like these, compiled by a major media outlet possessed of a research team, would have a solid definition of what exactly a one-hit wonder is. Think again. These countdowns were filled with artists that most chart fanatics would not consider one-hit wonders.
1: True Soon took the number four spot,
0: but while the band remained hitmakers in the UK throughout the 80s, their follow-ups were not as well received in the US. So why am I even bringing up this old VH1 Countdown? Because it's a good argument starter. I'm going to use it as a straw man to do some number crunching. The original 2002 VH1 Countdown has 100 songs, which is a nice big round number. And this first VH1 list covers several decades worth of so-called one-hitters, the 60s through the very beginning of the aughts, from Question Mark and the Mysterians' 1966 chart topper 96 Tears, to the Baja Men's 2000 brain fungus, Who Let the Dogs Out? I've checked the stats on all 100 songs in VH1's Countdown, and I'll use it to help us determine where we should draw the line on what a one-hit wonder should be. Depending on how persnickety we are, the results are rather surprising.
1: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. But there's something you can do about it, and we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to Slate.com slash for tickets. Let's
0: start by turning our chart nerd dial up to the max. What if a one-hit wonder has to be a pure one-hit wonder, an act that appears on Billboard's Hot 100 just once, who then never makes the chart again? If we go by this strictest possible definition, we'd have to eliminate 75% of the artists VH1 put on their list. Seriously, only one-fourth of the list would qualify under this rule. So, Dexie's Midnight Runners, whom VH1 ranked third on their countdown, they wouldn't count.
1: Oh, oh, so they right, oh, the
0: Neither would Thomas Dolby, whom I played at the top of our show. His only top 40 hit was his immortal 1983 geek anthem, She Blinded Me with Science, which reached number 5. So But even Dolby was able to return to the Hot 100. Twice, actually. His late 1983 hit, Europa and the Pirate Twins, reached number 67, and in 1984, Hyperactive reached number 62. The fact is, even the most flashy Flash in the Pan can usually manage a low charting follow up. For example, Carl Douglas followed his deathless 1974 number one smash, Kung Fu Fighting, was kung fu fighting. with a number 48 single called Dance the Kung Fu. Norm Greenbaum followed up his immortal 1970 number three hit "Spirit in the Sky" with the number 46 hit "Canned Ham." Faith No More never came close to the top 40 again, after their number 9 hit, Epic, in 1990. But their catchy follow-up single, Falling to Pieces, did manage to creep to number 92. even the Baja Men. Don't worry, I'm not going to play Who Let the Dogs Out again. But yeah, even they were able to follow their 2000 Top 40 hit about Unleashed Canines with a 2001 single called You All Dat. But woof, the Baja Men's follow-up only reached number 94. If you're curious, there were only 25 artists from the VH1 list who would qualify as pure one hit wonders. That relatively short list includes Soft Cell and Gary Newman, whom I played earlier, as well as Biz Marquis with his comical but heartfelt rap classic Just a Friend, a number 9 hit in
1: 1990.
0: Grunge era LA band Blind Melon with their jammy 1993 number 20 hit that made the B girl famous, No Rain. Scottish post punker and former Orange Juice leader Edwin Collins with his groovy 1995 number 32 hit A Girl Like You. Proto new waiver Robin Scott, who went by the moniker M on his 1979 number one hit Pop Music. Berlin new wave rockers NENA, who took their improbable all-German nuclear war dance jam 99 Luftballons to number two in
1: 1984.
0: The New Radicals, the band name for singer-songwriter Greg Alexander who took his pugnacious pop classic You Get What You Give to number 36 in 1999. Scottish brother duo, The Proclaimers, whose 1988 ditty, I'm Gonna Be 500 Miles, became an unlikely top five hit in 1993 after appearing in the Johnny Depp movie, Benny and June. Indonesian born Dutch singer Taco, who took Putting on the Ritz. The Jazz Age Standard by Irving Berlin to number four in nineteen eighty-three. <laughs> Come let's mix where Rockefellers walk with sticks or umbrellas in the midst. Put another end. Husband and wife Alt Americana singers Timbuk Three who reached number 20 in 1986 with their jaunty but secretly apocalyptic ditty, The Future's So Bright, I Gotta Wear Shades. Another husband and wife team, Tina Weymouth and Chris France of Talking Heads, whose side project Tom Tom Club reached number 31 with their proto hip hop jam, Genius of Love. My my no British pop rockers Tapal, who had multiple UK hits but only hit our chart once. With the 1987 number four hit Heart and Soul. British pub rockers The Vapors, led by guitarist David Fenton who reached number 36 in 1980 with the purportedly lewd and politically incorrect Turning turning Japanese. Japanese,
1: Japanese, Japanese,
0: The Verve, led by Richard Ashcroft, who reached number 12 in 1998 with Bittersweet Symphony, a bittersweet hit whose royalties all went to the Rolling Stones thanks to an orchestral sample. Spunky Ohio New Waivers, The Waitresses, fronted by cheeky singer Patty Donahue, with their early MTV staple, I Know What Boys Like, which really should have gone higher than number 62. And the vocal powerhouse duo, The Weather Girls, who took the Paul Schaefer, Paul Jabara composition, It's Raining Men, a club smash and gay anthem, to number 46 in 1982. That's almost all of the pure one-hit wonders on VH1's list. Sorry, I just didn't have the heart to play you Four Non Blondes or Buster Poindexter. Life's too short. However, I should note one more pure one hit wonder jazz vocalist and a cappella singing sensation Bobby McFerrin, who not only topped the Hot 100 with Don't Worry, Be Happy in 1988. Don't worry, be happy now. That number one jam swept the 1989 Grammy Awards, taking record and song of the year. Damned if I say it, you can slap me right here. Don't worry, be happy. And speaking of improbable, tropical-flavored hits, what about Macarena, the song VH1 called the biggest one-hit wonder of all time? Let's call it semi-pure. To be sure, Los Del Rio, a suave pair of middle-aged Spaniards in suits, only ever charted on the Hot 100 with Macarena, but technically it charted three times. The version Americans know best, the one that topped the Hot 100 for a stunning 14 weeks and was the top song of 1996? That's the partially English remix produced by a Miami production team who called themselves the Bayside Boys.
1: boy <laughs>
0: However, Los Del Rio also made the top 40 with the all-Spanish original version, too. It peaked at number 23 in September 1996, while the Bayside Boys version was still at number one. Three months later, Los Del Rio even charted briefly with a seasonal version called Macarena Christmas, which mixed the Latin dance jam with tolling bells and holiday hymns, from Joy to the World to Jingle Bells. I'll spare you that one. Suffice it to say, Los Del Rio are a de facto one-hit wonder who three-peated with the same song proving, if nothing else, that America was just really obsessed with doing the Macarena in
1: 1996. Even
0: if we count Los Del Rio, we're still stuck with a VH1 list that is mostly not pure one-hit wonders. But maybe that's not VH1's fault. Maybe allowing any measly second Hot 100 hit to count against one-hit wonder status is just way too low a bar. It's too easy to come back with a coattail single that makes the bottom half of the chart. So, okay, how about the top 40? What if we require all artists looking to avoid the one-hit wonder fate to score a second hit that could have been counted down by Casey Kasem? The English sextet Haircut 100 debuted last week at number 40. This week, they climbed two notches to number 38. It's their first Adopting this guideline makes VH1's list look a lot less egregious. 74 of the 100 acts on the list would qualify as one-hit wonders. All of the acts I mentioned earlier, the 25 pure acts, plus Dexy's Midnight Runners, Thomas Dolby, Carl Douglas, Norm Greenbaum, Faith No More, and the Baja Men, all of them would count as one-hit wonders, as would another 45 artists. By the way, Spare a moment of pity for Hadaway. Who is Hadaway, you ask? Well, how could you forget the man who asked this question? No Tobago born Nestor Hadaway took What is Love? the club jam that will live on in infamy thanks to Saturday Night Live and A Night at the Roxbury, to number 11 in 1993. That's already slightly heartbreaking for Hathaway. He just missed cracking the top 10 by one slot. But then, even more heartbreaking, Hathaway's immediate follow-up hit, which was called Life. at number 41. It missed the top 40 by one slot, which means, by pretty much any definition except the most exacting purists, Hadaway is a one-hit wonder. By the way, in the second half of our show, I'll reveal a rule of mine that would have made Hadaway a one-hit wonder even if his second single had cracked the top 40. For now, we can easily say Hataway is a one-hitter. Still, the VH1 list does contain more than two dozen acts who returned to the top 40 with a second single, making it harder to call them one-hit wonders, even if they read to us culturally as flashes in the pan. These artists who might be within their rights objecting to inclusion on VH1's list include LA dance pop singer Stacy Q, who took Two of Hearts to number three in 1986,
1: war, the war. Two of hearts. Two hearts need
0: but then came back immediately with the number 35 follow up, We Connect. Or Marvin Young aka Young MC a London-born Queens-raised rapper who wrote two hits for Tone Loke, but then broke as an artist with the immortal 1989
1: party jam Bust the Said She wanna dance cuz likes come so and just bust the move
0: that number seven hit was immediately followed by Young MC’s charming high school tall-tale principal's office, a number 33 hit.
1: Now, as I get to school, I hear the late hardly In 1991,
0: the Ecuadorian American shirt challenged rapper Gerardo took his multilingual hip-hop hit Rico Suave to number seven
1: Rico Suave
0: Rico. And then Gerardo came back immediately with the number 16 hit We Want the Fuck.
1: You know what we want?
0: That summer, British dance rock quintet EMF took their pop-friendly take on Mad Chester Rave, Unbelievable, to number one on the Hot 100. And, like Gerardo, EMF were able to return to the top 20 with their follow-up, Lines. Again, in theory, all of these artists could maybe escape the one-hit wonder tag. Stacy Q, Young MC, Gerardo, and EMF all scored a top 10 hit and a top 40 follow-up. But should that second hit count? Think back to Michael Zambello, his big hit Maniac, and his mostly forgotten follow-up Automatic Man. Does Zambello deserve to escape one-hit-wonder status on that technicality? Surely all of these folks fit every sensible description of what one-hit-wonder is supposed to mean. By the way, there's one last sticky wicket with the VH1 list, the acts who aren't on it.
1: There must be some kind of way out of here.
0: Like Jimi Hendrix. Yes, that Jimi Hendrix. Were you aware that the all time guitar god appeared within the top 40 of the Hot 100 exactly once? That would be his 1968 cover of Bob Dylan's All Along the Watchtower, a number 20 hit in 1968. Hendrix only scored the one top 40 hit, but it wasn't for lack of trying. His label issued five other singles from 1967 to 1971 that did make the Hot 100, but none of them peaked higher than Crosstown Traffic, which only got as high as number 52 in 1968. Or, what about the Grateful Dead? I don't imagine there are too many devoted deadheads listening to this podcast, but if there are, I know what you're probably thinking. The dead weren't about the top 40, man. Well, maybe, except. Over the years, about a half-dozen Grateful Dead songs were released as vinyl 45s that qualified for the Hot 100. Somebody thought they had hit potential. However, for the Dead's first two decades, none of their singles got higher on the chart than Truckin' at number 64 in 1971. That is, until 1987. when the short and catchy Touch of Grey reached number nine, turning on thousands of new Dead fans and pissing off thousands of old Deadheads. Touch of Grey is by far the Grateful Dead's biggest pop hit, and their only one to make the top 40. So, Hendrix, The Dead, are these one-hit wonders? Why aren't they included on VH1's Greatest One-Hit Wonders Countdown? I can only speculate, but I'm sure it's because that would be received by these Rockers fans as a huge insult. Here, the VH1 producers are caving into raucous gospel, and in a way, you can't blame them. The furious viewer calls they'd have gotten if Jimmy and Jerry Garcia had appeared on their one-hit wonders list would have been a nightmare. Even a committed poptimist like me acknowledges that Hendrix and the Dead don't read culturally as one-hit wonders. With all of this in mind, I have proposed that three rules for one-hit wonders. I'll reveal those rules, and who I think qualifies as a one-hit wonder, in the second part of our show. And I'll also tackle the most debated pop act of all, a band who were demigods around the world, but who, in the U.S., only touched the upper reaches of the Hot 100 a couple of times. And it all hinges on this song non-slate plus listeners will hear the rest of this episode in two weeks for now i hope you've been enjoying this episode of hit parade our show was written edited and narrated by chris Melanfee. that's me my producer for this episode is Benjamin Frisch, and we also had help from Rosemary Belson. June Thomas is the senior managing producer, and Gabriel Roth, the editorial director of Slate Podcasts. Check out their roster of shows at slatecom podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to leading the hit parade back your way. We'll see you for part two in a couple of weeks. Until then, Keep on marching on the one. I'm Chris Melanford.
1: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.